Thanks as always for listening. In this episode, Chris and I are going to talk about investigations from a GM's perspective, and specifically the sorts of things we think you would do well to avoid in devising and running investigation-heavy stories. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. So we're recording now, and uh, we, since this has been what, um, it's only been a couple of days since our last episode. So we don't. I, do you have any gaming experience in the last couple of days? I we we played our uh, our GM list five E game on Again. on Monday night. So yeah. And how did that go? Uh, uh, we finally uh, took down the king. We oh. we drove. We stole a sky ship and drove it into his palace, uh, and then killed all his guards, which turned out to be. Super easy because I just picked low level guards. Uh, plus, going to fifth level had helped us. So suddenly we were going from like, you know, fifth level is that really big jump where you go from one attack around to two attacks yeah. around. Um, yeah, so we just like kicked their asses, and then we had a warlock that was help. We used one of these these sidekick rules from, I think they're in Tasha's, but also the Essentials books. We had this sidekick spellcaster that helped out a bit. So yeah, it was good. Cool, cool. Well, I've had nothing. <laughs> Because it's the work week for me. Yeah. I have though been reading. Uh, I finally got my um, uh, my Modifius sale stuff. Finally, after three weeks, uh, and so I've been reading the Dishonored rule book just because it was on sale and I was interested in it. And I was also curious about the digest size, the smaller book. I think. Yeah. That, I think that really world, annoys me. Well, you know what. It, to be honest, it's easier to read in bed. It annoys me because it doesn't look good on the shelf. Because it doesn't, you know, it does. It's not all of the other books are, you know, some of them are hardback and some of them are softback. They're all roughly the same size. And there's this dishonored book, which you is know, just your dishonored fit. book is like the one left-handed kid. You know, like right-handed yeah. people, you you you've seen one, you've seen them all. It's a lefty that stands out, and that's so that little dishonored book standing out. Well, I've got lots of other books that size. Just there are no other two D twenty books that size. Oh, okay, it bugs me. Well, so um, right before we started recording, I griped that uh, Modifius stole from us. They stole an idea from us. Uh, they might have just. I think maybe Modifius listened to some of our most recent episodes and then put together their Dune boxed set that comes out later this year that has that casts the group of players as members of the house that has been given Arrakis in place of House Atreides. Uh, so they have this right. box set. They just dropped it like an hour ago. They have this boxed set coming out later this year that, that, puts, that creates a, a, an alternate Dune storyline on Arrakis. And that's something you suggested. Yeah. I did start reading that and then I deleted it because I was like, well, it's not out. It was a, it was a thing about something that might come out at some point in the future for you. Yeah, I'll eat it. If they release it, maybe I'll get it. But You were so angry that they stole your great idea. That well, she, unless it has an actual, like, you know, a mat in it for dueling that you can put things on to make it clear and an actual explanation of how the dueling rules work, uh, I'm still not going to be playing it. Although, and it won't, so I still won't be playing it. 
Think about this, though. It did. I mean, I read the description of it, and the description does say that it has these. It, it presents the rules as you're playing. So I can only assume that given that dueling is one of the major subsystems, I'm being optimistic here. Winston Churchill once said, I'm an optimist. I see no reason to be anything else. It worked for him. So I'm going to be an optimist here and, uh, and, and say that, you know, hopefully they hit, uh, they hit dueling because uh, that, would, uh, that would be really I think helpful. I'll- I think I'll wait till it's on a sale. Like you just got the Dishonored book on a sale, whereas I paid full price for it and then it's like never used it. So, right. No, so I've got, I have, I have a, I have a secret plan for the Dishonored stuff that I'm not going to talk about publicly. I'll tell you when we're not recording, but I, I'm not going to talk about publicly. So right, in case they, in case they hack our stuff again. Right, right. They'll or, have to use their orbital awful. mind control lasers to get to me that way. Anyway, the houses. I mean, like, you know, you never know. Well, probably, probably more mine than yours. Not that long a drive. Three hours in the car, drop a bug in my house, copy all our good ideas. That's right. Pass it off as their own. You know, I've seen pictures well, yeah, of all those just... surveillance cameras in London. You have no idea what, you know, where those feeds yeah. are going. Or they could just like ask us for some ideas and, you know, that would work too. Yeah. Since as far as we know, we're the only podcast that actually talks about their product. That is pretty much dedicated to this stuff. That's true. Although today's episode is not fully two die twenty focused, it's a little more system agnostic. But as always, we we will not be able to help ourselves. I'm sure yeah, we just we just alienated all our non two dwellers of two d twenty listeners by just starting off talking about two d twenty. Now we said come back, but uh, your idea for today's episode, and I'm, I'm, I think this is this is really an interesting topic, is is investigations, investigative stories, but more focused on what not to do, what not to do yeah. in investigation. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, I do I have two things that I'm that I think are really important to oh. not do, but then I also have a suggestion. So it's I'm going to be sloppy with it. But you were the one who in our last episode broke the rules and it presented like three different hypotheses all at once and stuff like that. So you can't hold me. To, you can't, you know. Yeah, I think I've got I've got three what not to do's and three. Well, the what to do's are more suggestions of things that might help because I'm not going to admit to being an ex. I've I've, I've played I have recently I've played because I've been playing um tales from the loop that is basically like all investigation there's right. not a huge amount of non-investigation stuff in that um so these are things i've seen in other places and then trying to do most of my not to do are things that i've done myself when trying to run like investigate like particularly spy style things and when i was younger I used to a lot of run a lot of like you know things like top secret si and millenniums and things where they didn't really have adventures you would have to make up your own story mm-hmm. um which were usually terrible so yeah, my what not to do comes from terrible James Bond ripoff things. Um, I was good at killing characters, very successful at killing PCs. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, of course, when you're like 14, the the terrible, implausible, incoherent plot that just doesn't matter so much. Uh, you know, I think it's useful nail down like what makes an investigation an investigation because I think. Any game, I mean, I think just about any story involves some degree of yeah. having to find things out and then using that information to solve problems. But I think that problem solving within a story and using, you know, having to dig up information or learn things in order to solve problems, that's different than an investigation. That is a story that is at its 
at its base an investigation. So what do you what do you think defines an investigation? I think I would say where about half or like half and more of the adventure is is sort of like clue finding or talking to people and that kind of thing. Um, but actually anything that would be applicable in the what to do and what not to do for, we're saying the whole, most of the adventures investigation would also work in where just bits of it are. Um, cause I think like, you know, so like when I say I played an investigator, I, I consider a lot of the, a lot of the infinity games I've played were investigations and they still had a lot of combat, but it might be like, you know, go to scene A, maybe there's no combat, they would find some clues for take to scene two. Scene two has a lot of fighting, but again, you're finding clues for take to scene. Some of those are semi-linear. A lot of the... A lot more recently of the the towers and loop ones would be a lot of non-linear stuff. So you could go to like, you know, it'd be like location A, B, and C, and you could basically go to those in any order and depend on where you go. That might send you to one of the other ones, or then send you to location D, which then sent you to the final one. So I think an investigation might be saying one where like if you don't find the clues, it's going to kind of you know really cause problems and we did the other right. one we did talk about is sort of a murder mystery one where like the really extreme of the investigation where Whereas at the end, you know, I think a lot of the investigation we things talk about was like you'd do some investigation, which would take you to a location, and that location would be the the final scene. That's what I expect most investigative type games. The really extreme one would be sort of your murder mystery style, where you have to piece all the clues together, and then the final scene isn't at another location. It's it's Poirot solving the murder, and I think that's right. one where we've said there's different ways. We've, we'd already had some ideas and sort of talking about how that could go very wrong, but also ways you could use some of the stuff we looked at in Star Trek to sort of swing that. Um, that's like, I think that's like the far extreme. So yeah, it's almost like, you know, a lot of stuff we've said, you've got like a range there. On the one end, you've got, there's a scene where you're going to have to do some investigation. You'll find a clue, the clue will take you onto the next bit of the adventure. There's the, there's the load of that, like clues will take you to different places and then you'll get to a, a final place. And then there's the proper on, yeah, there's just a ton of clues. And at the end of it, you'll, work out the murder or stop the plot or any other thing where you have to put it all together properly you know different ways of doing it yeah i i tend to view an investigation as as an adventure a story whatever you want to call it at the table that that is going to involve yeah finding a lot of information to solve problems and maybe the nature of the problem has to be discovered in order to deal with it mm. or you have a series of variables of clues, and then you have to assemble from that what is the problem. Um, but that, uh, that 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 kicking down doors alone, you know, waterboarding goblins alone is not going to uh, is not going to what you don't. Anyway, never mind. Um, alone is not going to do the trick. Goblins are always the fancy whipping boy, right? I need someone that's going to have some information is going to give it up easily. Ah, goblins. Goblins, there you go. With the so, so I I like the idea of an investigation. Um, I'll, I'll readily admit that it's so much easier to find a published one that's done well, because I think they can be very difficult to put together the details to establish the vibe and that that sense of fun through discovery. Mm. It's so hard I find to to find the balance between either having it be too obvious and kind of ham-handed or having it be opaque and the G and you're the GM and you're like it's so obvious Did, don't yes. you understand yeah. and the yes. players are I like think. we have no idea what you're talking about yeah i mean I find this that is really what put difficult. me off um 
I got I got the City of Mist game on the Kickstarter, and I was like, really, you know, this this is really good. It's like this sort of noir semi superhero sort of thing, and you know, does it? You play like your characters are a, a, a normal person, but they also have this dual side, which is something from legend or literature, and it's really cool. But it's, it's primarily done as an investigative game. Yes, you can have combat in it, but it's really meant to be solving mysteries. And I remember like we made characters like brilliant. Now you know I'll, I'll come up with some stories. And I just hit a brick wall straight away. I thought, I, I don't know how to come up with my own ideas where it's all just me. You know, that, that I've got the char- what the characters got and what's in the world. And I'm just going to come up with a fully investigative thing. I was like, no, I'm going to struggle here. And so I actually I didn't. I just like kind of put it on the back burner and waited until they were going to release their own adventures, which eventually did. So at some point I, I will run it now because now I've got an adventure book, which has got kind of, you know, the the, the framework of a, different adventures and you can do them in different orders and if you play all these different there's like three strands and if you play all these three strands together then it leads to one final big sort of adventure thing um because i actually yeah same thing i was like oh i'm not sure i can do this so again which is why we have a lot more probably what not to do yeah than the what to do like yeah i think you kind of already hit one of the one of the big things what should we start now the what to do although we'll probably jump back and forth anyway let's start with the yeah i mean i i I wouldn't i wouldn't say finding a decent pre-written investigative investigative adventure i wouldn't call that a to-do i just call that me trying to prevent headaches and being lazy me being an economic maximizer you know maximum benefit minimum cost that's that's what that is i i don't think that falls in that category but let's let's focus on the don'ts um, and hopefully provide folks with some advice to avoid um, the pitfalls. What's your first don't do it? Step away from the ledge. I, I'm going to go off the straight, actually, to come back to the thing you already said. It's that it's the don't go to the far extremes. So the far extremes is that just in way too many clues so that people have got so many clues that um, that they kind of don't, they, maybe they pick the wrong one. So, you know, just you go there, follow, so here's a clue and here's a clue and here's another clue. And they get, you give the player so many clues that actually they can't tell the difference between the really important ones that's going to take them to the next location or is going to solve the, the plot and they will, get, they will get caught up on the little things. Or the other extreme of making the clue so hard to get or hard to find or, or relying, I, mean, I think the classic one there would be relying on a role. The only way they can get the piece of information which is vital to you know the next step or solving the thing vital piece that puzzle they can only get that by a really good you know conversation role or a really good um hacking role or a really good you know uh like picking a lock role and if they fail that role they can't get that piece of information right so now they they essentially they are never going to progress um that yeah would be- I- I think that's a real. I think that's really good. Um, yeah, stay away from the extremes. Like virtue yeah. is the floating midpoint, somewhere between those extremes. Not necessarily in the middle, but it's somewhere between them. Yeah, if you bury someone, if you bury a party in too many clues, it's like a movie where there's too much action. There's there are too many massive CGI explosions. You're like, that's nice. You lose the nuance. You lose the detail in the storm. And you know how players are. They're going to take, if you throw a whole bunch of clues at them, they're going to take probably all the ones you didn't expect, and they're going to run some direction that you don't know how to deal with, or Mm. they're going to assemble some of the clues that you expected them to turn to, and they're going to assemble them in ways that are so odd 
that you're not going to know how to deal with it. Yeah. But on the other hand, if there's only one way forward and they don't bite, the problem there, and this is which is where I talked about like the the subtlety versus the you know the the ham-handed approach. It's no fun when it's too obvious, but if they just simply can't get it, uh, that's no good. I'll I'll jump in because you you mentioned uh, my first one is do not rely on the dice as the final arbiter of success when it comes to moving the story forward. You know, you can have people fail. I mean, people are going to fail dice rolls. If you've got a system that, like you talked about, like a conversation role, like so one of the characters is interviewing a witness to a crime and, you know, they, they, they fail it. Let's say it's a binary system like 5e. They just fail it. Okay, so they don't get anything out of it. Per the rules, they don't get anything out of it. Um, what if it's a system like 2 die 20 where you can fail however... Or you could be successful and have a problem with that, you know, create a complication. Um, You know, you can't you can't let the dice stop the progress of the investigation because then you you let the you let you let probability and randomness high center your story. And that's dopey. I mean, and I've, I've known people who have been like, well, that's that's the rule. I'm like, yeah, but but rule number one is have fun. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe that players have the most fun when they are challenged and and they're they're asked they're, they're challenged with things they didn't expect so that they come up with things they hadn't considered to be successful. At yeah. the end of the day, yeah, I, I think that's when people have most fun. Um, so. Yeah, don't rely on the dice only, for sure. Yeah. I think the the way to get around that on both sort of, you know, your perception, your searching type roles and your sort of talking to someone, whatever that is, persuasion or, you know, so on roles, is in something like 2 die 20, and this is kind of how they did it in Infinity, is when you talk to someone, you would get like, there'd be maybe four or five pieces of information and the number of successes you rolled would get you that many. Then it was up the, to the GM to give to give you know which pieces to give now the, the downside of that is is actually your players keep rolling well they will get a lot of information and then they might stri- start struggling to which was the important one but at least that way even with a sort of like a not great you know you they don't need a great role to get the important bit of information an okay role will do it yeah so when you're playing something like 5e i think i'd rather than worrying about assigning difficulties i'd simply go on like what the sort of the range is and, and go like right well as long as you get a five plus you get a clue and ten plus to be two clues and three, a 15 plus, and just go like that. And I know I've seen, yeah. and they've actually, there are things that they've been doing that more recently on. Um, I was doing some downtime activity and something the other day. And, and that's kind of how they had it. They didn't have difficulties. They just had like a table. And if you rolled really well, you got a better result. And if you rolled worse, you got through everything was a result. There was no, there was no, you fail. And so I think with something like investigation, that's probably what you want to do. I mean, if it's important that, you know, if there's another way of getting the clue, then maybe that's different. But, you know, if it's, if it's vital, they get the information they need to do. It. Um, they have to get it. Yeah. 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 I think um, uh, there's a, a game. I mentioned this in a, in a previous episode, um, Chill, Chill Third Edition, which I don't believe is available anymore because the company imploded or shut its doors a year or two ago, a couple of years ago, something like that. But anyway, has, I think, the best investigative system 
Um, because when you, it's a percentile-based system, and when you roll, no matter what you roll, you always get what is defined as a vital clue. In other words, that is a clue that enables your investigation to move forward. And that's a clue that you could gain by interviewing someone, by investigating a site, or by doing archival research or something like that. Like in the library, in the field, uh, interrogating someone, whatever. You always get a vital clue no matter what you roll. If you roll a critical success, or you, you roll what they have low success and high success. If you roll a high success, you get an extra kind of clue. If you roll a critical success, which is even better, you get another kind of clue that hopefully will vault the, the investigation forward. If you fail, you still get a vital clue, but you will get a distractor. Mm. You'll get a couple of clues, and then you, the player, will have to figure out, okay, among these, which, which do I think are legit, which, which are not? If you fail really horribly, then you get more kinds of distract. And there's descriptions in the book about how to do these. So I, I recommend like what you just said. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. With a more binary system like 5e, you just, you just adjust it for range. And the break point, obviously, is are you successful? That's when you, you definitely are going to get goodies on top of it. But you're always going to get something that's going to enable you to, to drive the investigation forward. I think that's really important. Yeah. So what's your, are you, are you trying to find that game? No, no, I'm looking at the, the what not to do things. Um, but what's your next yeah. what not to do? So you said, don't go to extremes. I agree. Yeah. I said, don't rely on the dice as the final, given the final say, no matter how much you spent on those dice. And you say. And the other thing I've got is I've, I've written, don't give up the clues too easily. I think by that, I mean, you know, okay, we don't want, you don't want the, you don't want the have to, you know, you've got to do a good role or you can only find the clue in this place. But also don't, you know, you're walking down the street and someone runs up to you and here's some information that you need kind of thing. Um, and even when the players maybe are struggling, okay, you know, like you said, the players want to feel like they're being challenged, but it's more about the perception or the illusion of being challenged rather than the, the actuality of it. So, you know, if, if, if they're asking the right questions, then give them some. If they just turn up to someone and go like, you know, hey, bartender, can you give me some information? Yes, here is the bad guy's plot. I mean, you know, make, right. so make them work for it to some extent. Um, you know, if don't, don't punish them if they fail the roles, but also don't just give them everything on a platter because otherwise then they'll be like, well, there was no point in us actually, you know, think whatever we did, we were going to succeed. So what was the point kind of thing? So, yeah, again, it's, it's don't, you know, just it's that try and find someone in the middle, which is hard, but yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, you you have to, and this is where giving the 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 party the players time to talk, either narrate what their play what their characters are doing, or or talk in character, or some combination of the two, depending on your group. I think this is where that's really important because you throw some clues or a problem at them. Or some kind, you know, stage a scene and then you sit and listen to what they're doing and how they're going about it. And that's where you start to see, like, this is where they think the problem comes from or they this is how they seem to be understanding the nature of it. And that can help you then decide how to dole out these clues instead of something, you know, the. Yeah, the, the, the bartender at the tavern hands you a, a, a tankard of hearty mead and says, I, I hear there's a dungeon outside of town or something dreadful like that. Again, when you're 12, that's great. You, you're a little more seasoned and cynical, not, not so much. Uh, 
I think that's important. So I and mine is I think a um a play on that and 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 maybe related back to the other thing that you said is and I just say don't be too rigid in means. What I mean by that is how the players go about trying to solve the mystery or or conduct the investigation to solve the mystery. Don't be unless you really I mean and some people are gifted at this. Um, if you're really good at arranging a mystery, if you're the kind of person who could create one of those like murder mystery party games, you know, or maybe you have one and you've like ripped off a bunch of ideas from it. If you've got this array of clues and you've got a, a real, a really strong sense because you're good at this and you've got players who, you know, will, will act in a certain way and you'll be able to do this. Great. But for the rest of us, I think that if you're rigid in assuming how the players will go about conducting the investigation and conceptualizing how they will solve this problem. If you're rigid in that uh, and you do not flex in response to them and the thing that players always do, which is run off in the direction you didn't expect them to run, that's going to create problems because no matter how well, I mean, we all have this as GMs, no matter how well you describe a scene it never appears in the player's heads the same way it appears in <laughs> yours. That's just, I mean, look, we don't have USB cables that we can plug our brains together. That's just not right. how it works. No matter how detailed, even if you show a bunch of pictures and say it looks like this, there will always be somebody who's like, wait, I thought the chair was over there. And maybe that's important for the scene. So it's like you, you, you can be, I think that you can get away with being rigid on ends. You know, if Colonel Mustard really did do it in the library with a lead pipe, if that's really who done it, that's fine. But I think you need to be flexible in how you determine the the root or roots of successful investigations because the players are gonna have to have a say in that. You know, and I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before in the show, but I, I had a I had a guy that a great guy, really creative. Um you know, I used to play in games with him, and whenever he would run he would want to run uh, fantasy games. He always ran them in homebrew worlds, and they were these really original fantasy homebrew worlds. But the problem was he had such a strong idea of how the story was supposed to proceed that I felt like I was a prop. I felt like I was a character in a book that he was writing. And so I, I used to say, like, I would love to read this story, but I'm really not enjoying playing in it because I lack agency. And if you have a very rigid idea of how the investigation is going to unfold, how it's going to step from A to B to C, you risk putting your players in a position where they lack agency. And also you're not leveraging their own creativity at the table. Yeah. And that kind of, because I've got, I've got a list of three what to do things, but they all would basically come under a sort of a subheading of, be flexible because I've, I've written three things but they're all variations that i've written have a backup plan have another way of passing clues and have multiple clues for each of the next steps in multiple locations which is basically what you're saying so if they if they start if they go off in the wrong direction um then either you then you could have a backup plan for says all right okay well I, well I was originally thinking that it would be this is where everything would go down but actually they're going another way so i'll just i'll just change it i'll go somewhere else just move it there um, or if they've missed all the clues at one location, either because, yeah, they have done terrible roles or because they've ignored the clues you have given them um, or because they haven't asked the right questions, um, then again, it's fine because then somewhere else they will be able to go and the clues that will put them back on the right track will be there. But you need to have thought of that ahead. If you're, you know, you're constructing your, 
thing. If you're if you're desperate for like right, the final thing is they get to location X, and they've gone to location A and they've gone to location B and they've gone to location C and they still ha- aren't going to get to location X. Well, just you know keep throwing clues. You know, make sure there's a backup way of them getting those clues. And that's what the the tales from the loop thing was quite good at this. That it's like you know they, there was a bunch of different locations and each of those location would point to one of the other locations. But if they actually kept picking things up usually at one of those locations they would find the stuff that said go to this is where you know this is where the boss is this is where the final machine that you need to look into is and it was it was pretty much that you know there'd always be at one location it would be based on a role they failed the role at one thing so they didn't know it but they'd be, they'd have another chance with enough chances of looking for the same thing they'd eventually you know they'd eventually get it so you know that that did rely on them doing well for dice rolls but there was multiple chances to kind of get to the information um, and then in some of the adventures, there was this, this robot that would come up and kind of give them all the information, which was a bit I don't like sort of, that. no, I wasn't, it was, he was very sort of deus ex machina that it, it turned up and literally one of the adventures, the guy literally, it was meant to be a two part and he literally turns up and kind of goes, here's where you need to go next. And literally the only link between the first half and the second half of these adventures, which like I said, could have been done at two sessions was the robot turning up and going, I'm scared. You need to help me, but here's what you do next. And and that was the end of the first part and the start of the second. And it was like, it doesn't matter what you find. The first one would find you out clues and information and get an idea what's going on. But the only way to move on to the next part was this robot had to turn up. That, that was it. And it was like, oh, yeah. that's a bit nah. But luckily he'd been, he'd been in some of the other adventures. So it felt like it was organic. But at the same time, if you looked into it too close, you'd be like, wait a minute. But it was fun, so it didn't matter so much. You know, that's a, that's a really good piece of advice i think that and that's nice and concrete it's it's concrete and it's actionable the idea like like if you have if there's some vital clue that vital clue has to uh, you have to be ready to put it in several different locations and present it in different ways in order that it can be found yeah and you know what if you have an idea for you let's say you have five clues you know clues a through e that you think are like if Unless my players are blithering idiots, they're going to, once they get these five things, they're going to be able to solve the mystery. Great. And if they go to one place where you think clue A fits best and they don't find it, well, then you got to figure out a way it's got to show up in the next location. I think that's, yeah. that's a really good idea. You don't pin a, a vital clue to one place, one instance, one type of interaction, because with the players, not if, when the players go do their own thing, which they should be doing, you've got to still be able to dole it out to them. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, old school, you have your, your cool dungeon map drawn out on your graph paper and there's a room you really want the players to go to. Well, they don't know what's behind the door and it's all yeah, made it's just, up anyway. So just, just say, well, that's the room the you go into and there it is, you know, that's easy. Yeah, there are some times where like, you know, nowadays DMs don't really like, like to railroad people, but there are other times when it's like, well... <laughs> I designed this really cool encounter, which I want to happen. So I'll just move the encounter to where they're going anyway. Yeah. Then and that encounter happens. Yeah. They'll, um, they'll never know. Yeah. We do. I mean, you know, the, well, you know the, the, the cool thing about role playing games is the players can do anything, but it also means, yes, but, you know, when you look at any other kind of media, usually things follow a linear route. And obviously, it always happens. So if you have to kind of, you know, change where players are going to be or, whatever you know they don't know that when they made a certain decision they end up doing the same thing but if you've put a lot of work into doing a particular thing 
um, then you want that to happen. I think that yeah. kind of then, have you got any more advice, the general thing? Because the thing then I'd move on to is kind of is, is kind of the wrapping it up or the ending thing. Because I can see that depending on what you're doing, there's different things. But if you've got I have one last, and oh. that's to, uh, to, to entertain players, call it like wacko creativity. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm, I, by preference, I'm not, I, I think there's a, I see this in a lot of books now, um, especially more like indie uh, games where the suggestion, at least by my interpretation, seems to be like your players' characters are always awesome and they're always great and they always win. And I'm like, I'm not interested in being a GM for a, a, a table of Mary Sue's. That's, that, that does not interest me at all. Um, but, uh, and, and I do think that, you know, if there's not conflict and drama and challenge in a story, it, it, it gets very boring. I mean, every once in a while, it's fun to like Conan wise, like, you know, wade through the mooks, but as a rule, having things be more challenging is, is more interesting, I think for everybody. However, I think it's really important for the GM to, uh, to entertain like wazoo player creativity as they come up with ways to solve or determine, figure out things so that they can solve the the mystery. Because I guarantee you, they're going to come up with routes that might circumvent in some way your vision of how it's going to play out. And if you can tell that's like, oh man, they're so excited about it. Then that's where, you know, you talked about this not going to extremes and being flexible. Um, I think that's where that really comes into play too, because the players may end up coming up with something that's more exciting and interesting and fulfilling story-wise in figuring out how to solve the mystery or you know conduct the investigation than you would come up with. So be be ready to to entertain that, to bend like Gumby, as we yeah. say. Yeah. So when it when it comes to wrapping these up, I think there's kind of two the two very different kind of investigations. There's the one way, and this is what a lot of investigations for a lot of games, so whether it's a Cthulhu game or like a spy game, invariably it's about being at a particular point, a place, getting to a location at a particular time. You know, Cthulhu is going to be raised from a ritual at the library in this building by this time. So it's about the players finding where to get to. Um, and that's like a spy thing. You know, it's James Bond finding where the bad guy's secret base is. Actually, it doesn't really matter what the secret plot at the end of it is, because if Bond's there, he's going to foil it. And he's going to foil yeah. it by killing a bunch of people. But it's the, can he find the place where the thing is going to go down? So when it's that kind of investigation, you've got, you know, essentially, as long as your players get to there, you're golden. What, how they work out how to get there and what they do when they've got there, it, you know, that's like you said, that's up to the player's creativity. But there's the other one we talked about, which is the murder mystery solving of who did it, which potentially you don't have that. You have, you know, you've collected all these clues. The chief constable, whatever, turns up and says, right, Poirot, who is the killer and how did they do it? And then this is where it's more like, well, this is kind of what we, we for, I think with the, the first scenario, players are going to work, you know, as players eventually, you can drop them the clues so that they, as long as they get to the place, the getting there was part of the fun. And when they get there, they can do whatever crazy stuff the players want to do. You know, they can just cheat to just, we drop out a whole thing and the bad guy dies. Uh, okay, well, that was short, but what about the second one? Because what if the players get it wrong? Well, you know, I, 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 before I jump into that, I will, I'll say with the, uh, in that first case, the idea of, you know, you, you need to find this place. I think that's, um, that, that, was, that was essentially the, uh, uh, 
the the plot or the problem to solve in this Operation Wallace that I just ran for Octun Cthulhu. You know, they yeah, needed exactly. to figure out they needed to figure out where to be to stop this thing from happening. So a, a clock was ticking, and their investigation was what's going to happen, but it was more where it's going to happen. And then it was them coming up on the fly with some with a crazy ideas to, to how to get rid of it, and it worked. I mean that that but. It's interesting how that, that I, I would take your description and say that's that's that adventure. Um, yeah, you're saying what happens if the players get it wrong for the second kind? In other words, fi- so finding the solution to the problem, which is an answer to a question. Yes, because um, I have a thought on it, but I'm curious. I, I have I have two thoughts. So, uh, well, technically, I have okay. Two. <laughs> My first thought is well, if. If for some reason, either because this investigation fits into a bigger story or and you you really see it as it needs to unfold in a certain way, if it has to be Colonel Mustard with the lead pipe in the library and they think it's Little Bo Peep or something like that, and uh, um, if it has to be Colonel Mustard, then you could take it one of two ways. Either you could pivot or as a teacher would say this is what we say like when everything fails and you punt you figure out a way to just make it happen (laughs) so in this case you punt you shoot and move you bend like gumby and you find a way to cram colonel mustard down their throats so that they get it's colonel mustard or you could you could complicate their lives by saying Essentially, in the back of your head, okay, you think it's a little Bo Peep. Well, Colonel Mustard's going to kill again. <laughs> I'm serious. And Colonel Mustard's going to kill again. And, uh, and you, on top of that, are going to have to suffer the fallout of accusing little Bo Peep of having done this, this heinous crime. And now you have all kinds of problems to deal with uh, in the form of fallout. So... Yeah. Yeah, I I guess it depends on how sharp the teeth are in your game when it comes to your your players. If you're nice to them, you you give them you figure out a way for them to eat up Colonel Mustard. If not, you let them make a very public and incorrect accusation. A little Bo Peep. Yeah. So the other one I was thinking because that's obviously you know if they've, they've got it wrong, it's they've got it wrong. Oh well, you know either you can it can go back to bite them later on that they've got it wrong or you can just straight there and then you go oh you accuse them and then they yeah someone else says but i know such that colonel master pulls out a gun and goes ah it was me all yeah. along um or yeah, you could exactly. you could I, twist it other... and have it be little bo peep if you really want to you can just change yeah so that's that's what i was going to say is you can literally if the players have put together all this information they've taken all the clues that you've given them and obviously either your clues weren't good enough or they've missed a vital clue or they're just players who will just, you know, make shit up. <laughs> never um, do that. And they've just got... <laughs> never. And the players just go, it was totally little Bo Peep and this is why and that's how. And you could just go, yes, well done, you're correct. Yeah. Because, True. you know, it does, if it doesn't matter really who did it, you know, if this is a one-off and none of these NPCs are ever going to come up again other than the fact that, what, you know, one of them's going to prison, um, then just yeah, let let the let the players win. Um, so I think you know. So that that's you know, if it if it doesn't affect the rest of your campaign, if it's you know, uh, then that's another way to go. Or you could you know, but it's, it's one of those things you'd have to be. I feel like you'd have to have made the decision beforehand. Right, if the players get this wrong, 
am I going to have, again, this backup plan? Am I going to have, this is what's going to happen? And, you know, nothing will happen. The wrong person will go to prison or right there and then the correct, you know, the actual killer will kill, like you said, kill again or, you know, will will be revealed by someone else. Or do you just go, yep, yeah, you're right, well done. Um, and then not tell them. <laughs> you don't, don't upset the players. Yeah, that's... Uh, so that's the difficult ways to deal with that. Yeah, but I think that that goes back to what we've been talking about the the idea that you you know to 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 not be too rigid um to not rely on the dice to you know respond to the players ideas and things like that and and I think too and here here's a hard thing maybe this is a bit of like you know humility or humble pie to swallow um but remember it's all made up and so yeah. you can I think sometimes GMs, and I know I've done this, you you get so committed to your story and your vision of the story and how it should unfold that you forget that the story you're building is a cooperative one. And you have a unique, as GM, you have a unique role and you maybe you maybe you hold more cards, you hold the plurality, if not the majority of cards when it comes to building the story, but it's not you alone. And um and so if the players do, I mean, if they come up with a compelling reason why it's little Bo Peep, you have a choice. You could either just accept that and then, you know, back pocket Colonel Mustard and all the reasons why he did it and how that and just use it in a future adventure and just reskin Colonel Mustard as somebody else. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have options, but I, I think that's an important piece too. Don't be so wedded to your vision that if the players take it another direction or they reason through it differently. And they're all sitting there smiling and they're so happy because, you know, they got it. And you're going, no, you didn't. <laughs> but then you say to yourself, but it's all made up anyway. And, and this, I kind of like that. So we're going to run with it. You don't even have to tell yeah. them. I mean, there, there is another option, but I would, don't think I'd ever do it. But did you ever see the, 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 the film of Clue back in the 80s? Yeah. Which, of course, has multiple endings. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I guess if it's a one shot, like, you know, you couldn't do that in a campaign. But if it was a one shot, it's a one off that you're, I don't know, wherever you're doing a one shot for, there's always that. They go, right, well done. Yep, you got it. Or did you? And they just like step back and replay the final scene again. I love that film. I love that film so much. I haven't seen it in ages. Just, That's uh, when uh, Jane Wyland showed up as the scene telegram. Yeah. She was one of the guitarists for the Go Go's. I just I love Tim Curry's great, and in that he's just he's he's so good, just yeah. like the crazy shoot the singing remember, telegram. That's so that's, messed up. That's good. But yeah, that, it's a funny one that because they they cheat because they basically go well. There's three different endings, and, yep. and one of them was the I can't even remember what the correct one was, but yeah, I remember that was a yeah. big deal when it came out in theaters out here because different endings were at different theaters. Ah, oh, that's really clever. Yeah. But yeah, that would actually be, I had not thought about that. That would be a fun way, especially, I mean, I, I think for a one-off, maybe. A one-off, I think it would be easiest because people wouldn't be wedded to the endings. Like if you no. say, okay, this is the ending, yeah. and then you come up with two or three other ones, and people are like, ah, oh, but I like that one better. And you're like, well, which, how does this muck about with my campaign? Maybe yeah. it as a one-off would be easier, but that could be a fun way to, uh, uh, maybe if you do as a as a guy that I, I, a friend of mine, he, he calls it a palate cleanser. 
You know, you've been playing yeah. something for a while and you say, hey, let's play a couple of sessions of this totally different game for a while as a palate cleanser. Maybe that would be a fun way to cap yeah. that kind of uh, of short story arc. Off, yeah, that's, what, like you, that, that's what I use Alien as, a palate cleanser, right? I haven't killed any PCs in a while. Guys, let's play Aliens. I'm going to kill your whole party. <laughs> You're all going to die, but you know in advance you won't be upset. Um, I'm not, I have yeah, no idea how you can actually play the Alien role-playing game as a campaign because I've never not killed all the PCs in two sessions. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, you know what? I, um, I have the PDF copies of the stuff. So if I ever want to, if I ever get a crazy itch, but I traded all my alien stuff um, for all the John Carter stuff, and I'm very happy with it. So I, I, I like, I really like the fact that they kind of went, we're going to have a cinematic mode, which is mm -hmm. designed around it's a one-off, yep. and that's great, great for conventions. Um, but it has put me off buying the Marines book, which looks really good, but then I'm thinking, but I'll never use it because i'm never yeah. gonna play a campaign that was that that was that was my place too and i i've i've gotten to that point where my giant metal game cabinet in my uh my garage i i rearrange things but there is a point where there there is coming a point where there will not be space in it and so i'm being i'm, I'm trying to be as choosy as possible and i'm not a big fan of owning lots and lots of pdfs of things no i'm like i can yeah occasionally i do try and sell some stuff well, i'm not very good at selling it but it really just disappears up into the attic and oh stuff moves up and down rather than just yeah, being yeah. sold well because i have had, i remember selling stuff as a kid and then most of the stuff i sold when i was a kid i bought again because i <laughs> sold it and then regretted having sold yes. it and then had to pay yep. buy it back so now Same. i tend to like not sell things and it's like i'm really not you know i haven't played it in years and i'm not you know i'm never going to go back to it as reference or anything so but then you I never know you never know all those shatter zone something. games you have might be worth millions one day Probably not. No, um, probably not. Well, any any uh, any parting advice or thoughts on investigations in general? I think I think we've got some good pieces of advice. And definitely things to avoid. I think we did a surprisingly good job having come up with this idea, but didn't feel like I was any kind of expert on it. Um, I was slightly worried we were going to end up as the best option is by someone else's. <laughs> Uh, no, I think no. we came up with good stuff. I think our kind of our kind of idea of you know don't just rely on the players finding the one clue in one location with a good dice roll. Instead, you have to make sure that you you know deal it out fairly at, with multiple ways of getting the clues and being flexible. I think that was I think that's the kind of the, the key. Um, you know, and yes, if you have spent hours and hours and hours writing this thing, maybe you do have to accept that the players are going to miss some of your awesome clues and maybe get the, the final conclusion a bit wrong um yeah and you know you just live with it okay i'm wrong uh and this is a good thing i said that i thought that this chill third edition is not available it is available some pieces and parts of it oh and adventures on drive through rpg uh and you can go if you look up chill third edition on drive through RPG and look at the core book, there are a series of adventures that are like high tide, big sky, let sleeping dogs lie, temple of the skin man, and other things like that, that are all free. Those PDF adventures are free. If you're interested in this idea of vital clues and other, other types of clues that you could dole out to players based on their roles, um, you might want to go take a look at one of those. Um, 
the way that they did that worked really well. And it worked really well at the table. Like no matter what you roll, you're going to get a vital clue. And then based on how you roll, you'll get other nature, other sorts of clues too. I think taking a look at an example of that in an adventure could be useful. So I'll, I'll point you in that direction. Maybe I'll, I'll drop a link in the notes to it as well. So that's because drive through has almost everything is amazing. Because about the only things you can't get on drive through would be the Star Wars PDFs because they don't exist. Um, and anything from 5th edition D&D because Wizards of the Coast wants you to use D&D right. Beyond. Yep. Which I'm not going to. Nope. So I just won't have PDFs. So that's all right. That's all right. But yeah, I'll put a link to that in there. Um, so, well, cool. I think... Uh, I think that that covers it. I think we, I think, that, I, honestly, I think this is stuff that I'll actually, I'll listen to again and um, try to remember to take my, my own advice. I'll take your advice. I got to try to remember to take my own. Yeah. It's, uh, I, can, I just haven't got the patience to be writing my own inventions anymore. It's hard enough reading other people's stuff without writing my own. I'll stick to other people get paid to do it. I'll, uh, I'll use their stuff. Yeah, investigative stuff, especially, I think, if not, if you're not going to use another adventure as written, uh, I think looking at other investigative adventure adventures could be useful just to steal ideas from. So, like I said, these old adventures are free. Yes, they are horror adventures, but structurally and how the clues relate and how the clues move the story forward, I think, makes sense. And incidentally, virtually all of these assume a timeline of something bad happening and so there is a timeline up to the point that the characters get involved and then after uh so it 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 plugs their investigation into a chronological context and kind of show i think that gives a good sense of um how the clues can uh you know move the thing forward so like i said i would i would take a look at those just for interest's sake and that's all i have yeah Thanks again for listening. In our next episode, we are going to discuss Modiphius's Dishonored role-playing game, about which I know next to nothing, but I now own. And so I'm going to read it while I'm on vacation and see what subsystems and ideas I might poach from it uh, for other games. And um, Chris is going to reread it, and we're going to talk about that for the people out there who also know nothing about it. Remember also, you can reach us at Fluff and Crunch on Facebook, and you can also reach us directly by email at fluff and crunch. That's F L U F F letter N C R U N C H at tutanota.com. T U T A N O T A dot com. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash. Fluff and Crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.